Good morning, family. So good to see each and every one of you, even though I cannot see you. I hope you can see me. Uh, I just wanted to take a minute. I'm, we showed that video because I wanted to take a minute to update you on where we are in this whole project. I got some feedback after last Sunday that some of you who just joined us in the last year don't even know what Kingdom First is, yeah. didn't know anything about our building project here in El Cerrito. And so we just wanted to bring you up to speed. Some of you have joined us in the last year and just wanted to bring you up to speed on where we are. Others of you have been waiting for an update yeah. uh, because we were actually supposed to be in the building right now, yeah. uh, but COVID-19 has changed the timeline on everything and I wanted to kind of give you a sense of where we are and what has happened since we did this we started this campaign last year yeah. first thing I want you to know is that we set out to raise 1.5 million dollars in pledges uh, last February and March and uh, on commitment Sunday last March second Sunday in March the, uh, we brought in $1.4 million in pledges on that day. $1.4 million in pledges, and that's something to celebrate. Well, to give you an update between that day and today, we have brought in $780,000. $780,000. Nobody's excited about that? That's crazy. That means we're already halfway towards our goal. We're halfway towards our $1.5 million goal. In less than a year, we've brought in $780,000 toward that goal. So that's very, very exciting. Now, in terms of where the project is, um, COVID-19 basically shut down the city. And so we've been waiting for building permits to come from the city uh, for the last several months. Yeah. Our general contractors are pressing the city to get those done. Yeah. Uh, in addition, there have been some additional things that have come to our awareness that need to be done to this property in order to get it into shape. Uh, and that's pushed the, the, the cost of the project up. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to get into that. I just want you to know that we are doing everything in our power to keep the cost of the project down to a minimum while simultaneously uh, not compromising the excellence of the, yeah, the yeah. final project, the final product. That is, this is going to be a place that we can all be proud of. This is going to be a place that we can be proud to bring our friends. This is going to be a place that will be a beacon in this neighborhood. And so we're going to tell you more and more about that. But just to give you just a bird's eye view of where we go from here, what's next? Number one, we expect to break ground on the actual construction the first week of April. That's number one. We should have all of the permits approved by then. Uh, every, all of the revisions that need to be done to the drawings, everything that needs to be done should be done by then. And we should go to work on the actual structure by April 1st, the uh, first week of April. Um, secondly, we should have our first fully live service here in a fully completed remodeled sanctuary by the first week of October. So it's gonna take April, May, June, July, August, and September, about six months to complete all of the construction. So beginning of October, we should be you know, in full effect here in this property. The thing to keep in mind, however, is that we are not going to wait till October to start having gatherings again. Like yeah. that doesn't mean that we're not gonna meet at all. It's gonna be 100% online until October. We're gonna find a way to work around the construction, whether it's some small uh, group meetings where you know we just have a, a limited number of people come and, or if we do multiple services or if we meet in the parking lot sometime, I don't know what it's gonna look like. We're gonna tell you exactly. Yeah. But I just want you to know that behind the scenes, we are working tirelessly yeah. 
to create a pathway back towards live gatherings. I feel that the Spirit of God is moving us in that direction. It's going to happen sooner than later. It's not going to wait till October, but I wanted to just give you an update on where we are with this building project because things are moving full steam ahead. Uh, we're not stopping. We have not lost the vision. We haven't stopped working behind the scenes. Uh, this thing is going to be awesome, and it's going to be. Amen? Amen. All right, with that, I'm going to draw your attention to the Word of God. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to you. Uh, uh, okay, let me calm down. Let me slow down. All right. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to you out of 2 Kings chapter 7. Before we do, let's just uh, calm our hearts before the Lord and uh, ask Him to release His Word to us. Father, we settle our hearts before you today. And we release all angst, all hurry, all worry, and all doubt. We surrender our lives to you. Amen. And we submit our hearts and minds to the words of your holy scripture. That we would not seek to be master of scripture, hmm. but we would seek to allow the scriptures to be master over us. Yeah. And that through your holy word, you might exert your lordship over us Amen. and be our king. Amen. We love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Forgot to take the offering. <laughs> it was just a blank phone that I saw, Daniel. <laughs> it was just a black screen. I'm like, <laughs> I'm holding my phone. I totally forgot to do the offering today. Before I jump into the word, let's take a moment to receive this morning's offering, bringing our special gifts into this his house, knowing that the Lord is good. Father, <laughs> bless this offering. Multiply to meet the needs of this your house. Bless the gift and the giver, we pray yeah. in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Take a moment to give now, if you would. Um, I'm just going to give you just a moment to do that. You'll never comprehend the way you love us. Oh, I hope Daniel's not playing music in the background. He probably is. I probably messed it up. That's okay. All right. Going to the word now. Second Kings chapter 7, beginning at verse 3. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Yeah. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. Yeah. Father, bless your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk to you about these four lepers. And how it is that God is calling us to be lepers. That today, the most powerful thing you can do is become a leper. And all of us have a form of leprosy that it actually functions as a form of divine empowerment. But we simply haven't recognized our leprosy. And because we haven't recognized it, 
We're not reaping the benefits of it. Now, a little background here. Yeah. This was a terrible time in Israel. This is the northern kingdom of Israel, the capital of which was the city of Samaria. The Arameans or the Syrians, depending on what translation you're looking at, under King Ben-Hadad, had sent out their entire army and surrounded the city and laid siege to it. Yeah. And whenever you laid siege to a city in the ancient world, you surrounded it and cut off. Nothing could come into it and nothing could go out of it. Yeah. The people were safe inside the city, but they were cut off. They were safe, but they were simply safe to sit and wait until they die. Inside the city was safety, but there was also famine. Sometimes the safest place wow. is the most dangerous place. Wow. Sometimes the safest place you can be yeah. is a place of guaranteed death. Mm. Wow. The siege went on for quite some time. Yeah. It was such a terrible time that mothers were killing their babies and eating them. Yeah. There was cannibalism happening there. All kinds of wickedness and evil tends to happen in the midst of a famine when there's no provision, when nothing goes out and nothing comes in. Mm. And it seemed that all hope was lost. But all hope was not lost because God had four deliverers that he had, had already selected. Yeah. And these four deliverers lived in between. You see, the city had a city wall and then a city gate. Yeah. And there was this space in between the wall and the gate where the lepers lived. Huh. They were in between. Wow. Their leprosy meant that they had to live in between. They didn't live in the city with the people, but they also didn't live in the enemy's camp with the enemy. Yeah. They lived in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their leprosy afforded them that in-between place because their leprosy was simply an isolating circumstance, mm. an isolating factor in their lives that cut them off from others. You see, your leprosy is whatever it is that cuts you off from others, that isolates you from others so that you cannot do what others do and you cannot have what others have. Mm. When you look around and say, how come all of my friends are married, but I'm not married? That's your leprosy. When you look around and say, how come all of my friends are getting better jobs and making six-figure income, but I'm making low five-figure income? That's your leprosy. Wow. When you look around and you say, how come all of my friends have college degrees and I can't seem to even get my AA degree? That's your leprosy. When you look around and say, how come all my friends are buying houses, but I'm still living in an apartment? That's your leprosy. There's a million different forms that your leprosy can take. Wow. My friends seem to get over their trials and tribulations much more easier than I can. But for me, the smallest trial devastates me. That's your leprosy. My friends uh, seem to be able to get healthy much quicker than I can. They make decisions. They eat better. They lose weight. But me, I keep gaining and gaining. I can't seem to find the discipline to change it. That's your leprosy. Your leprosy is any isolating factor that puts you in an in-between place. Wow. But the word of the Lord to you today is that your leprosy is God's opportunity. Yeah. 
Your leprosy is God's opportunity. God is looking for lepers today who live in between. And, and let me tell you why your leprosy is God's opportunity. Because your leprosy puts you in a place where you have absolutely nothing yeah. to lose. Wow. And when you have nothing to lose, you finally have found yourself in a place where you've overcome fear. Wow. You will always be afraid until you have nothing to lose. Yeah. If you have something to lose, you must fight the temptation to fear. Yeah. The people living in the city were scared of losing their houses in the city. Yeah. But there was no food in those houses. Wow. You're going to lose it. Yeah. You're going to die. You're gonna, but still, we're going to stay safe in this house. We're not going to risk facing the enemy. We're not going to risk leaving the city. You see, when you have something to fear, you can't seem to take a risk. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But when you move beyond fear, you find that you suddenly become clear. Huh. You cannot become clear as long as you're living in fear. Yeah. You can't see clearly. Looking back from where we are, it's so clear. Get out of the city. Go fight the enemy. If they kill you, then they kill you. But don't just sit in the city and watch your sons and daughters starve to death. But when you have a nice, comfortable house in the city, you're not clear. You're living in fear. And as long as you're living in fear, you cannot see clear. And so God does you a favor by putting you in an in-between place where you've lost everything anyway. So what is there to lose? Destiny is always in the hands of the risk taker. Those four lepers were the key to Israel's destiny, not realizing that their leprosy was God's opportunity to move Israel out of its place of doom and out of its place of destruction and to redeem them from their current situation, to deliver them from the enemy, but there had to be a risk taker. Sometimes the only thing that stands between an entire community and victory is one risk taker, one person who's willing to take a risk, one person who's moved past fear yeah, yeah, yeah. and so has become clear. Wow. And so these four lepers, they had this awakening and yeah. one of them says, why are we sitting here until we die? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why is that our plan? Why is our strategy to just sit here and die? You need to ask yourself that question regardless of whether you're in trouble or not. Even if you're in a good place, is, yeah. is, is, are you just going to sit there until you die in your good place? Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. if you're tremendously blessed, why sit there till you die? Wow. Even if you've got everything that you ever wanted and needed, now you're just going to sit there until you die? When the, the, when the leper asked that question, why sit here until we die? He was indicating a sudden acute awareness of a destiny beyond the current moment. There's something more for us out there than sitting here till we die. You need to look at somebody right now and say, there's something more for you out there than sitting there until you die. You need to drop it in the chat and call somebody you see in the chat by name. Say, Jonathan, there's something more for you out there than sitting where you are. There's something more for you out there than your current situation. You need to rise up in faith and believe in your heart that there is something more and that your destiny yeah. is only possible so 
When you wake up to that reality, why am I just sitting here until I die? God has more for me, but moving towards that destiny is going to require that you take a risk. The entire story of the Bible is built upon a series of men and women that God invited to take a risk. And if any of them would have said no to the invitation of God to take that risk, the story of the Bible would have stopped. Abram, get up out of your father's house and go to the place I'm going to show you when you get there. Meaning, you're going to go that way and I'll tell you when you're there. How, How great of a risk is that? Can you imagine Abraham going home to his wife? Abram at that time going to, hey, but, uh, baby, uh, we, we, we got to go. Where are we going? Actually, I don't know. See, because God just said, uh, we got to just pack up and go that way. How far? I don't know. He just said, can you imagine? Baby, what would you do if I came to you and said, baby, we got to load up the car. We just got to go. And we're just going to drive that way. Yeah, because my wife's a gangster. She'd be like, God said it. Let's do it. Okay. Are we going to die out there? Let's go out and die. Let's do it. You know, that's my wife. She's just so gangster like that. You know? But I mean, imagine, imagine what kind of a risk was that? Abraham, go, and he went. Risk taper, risk taker, right? Abraham, give the land to Lot that he wants. Risk taker. Abraham, take your son Isaac, whom you love, and offer him on the altar. You have to make a sacrifice, Abraham. Risk taker. The entire story of the Bible, Joshua was a risk taker. Moses was a risk taker. Ezekiel was a risk taker. Isaiah was a risk taker. John the Baptist was a risk taker. Jesus was a risk taker. And when he called the 12 disciples, he called 12 kingdom risk takers. Peter, come on, get out of the boat. Take the risk of stepping out on the water. Don't be like the rest of those heck of fake disciples who will remain in the boat and remain safe and remain dry. I don't know about you, but I would rather try to walk on the water and fall in and get soaked than stay in the boat and stay dry and never take the risk. Your destiny is waiting for you out on the waters, but so many of us are so scared that we're not willing to get out of the boat. Because as soon as God prompts your heart to do something kingdom, you start asking questions. Well, what about if this happens? And what about if that? And what if I don't have the bandwidth? And what about that? And what about that? And what about this? And what about this? And you talk yourself right out of every kingdom risk, every invitation that God gives you. You talk yourself right out of it because you're, I'm scared. What if? What if? What if? As if God is not a good enough God, a great enough God, a powerful enough God, a benevolent enough God to take care of you. That when he invites us out on the waters, invites us to take a step of faith, are we willing to take it? Yeah. Jeremy, check outside. I just saw somebody walk by. Thank you. <laughs> Aaron, go get his back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just playing. He's going to hit him with his computer. God is calling us to be risk takers. So watch this. Now these four lepers are going to have a conversation. The first leper opens up the minds and hearts of the other three to the possibility that there's something more. That maybe sitting here till we die is not our only option. You see, when you're living in fear, you become myopic, myopic. And all you see is what's right in front of you, which means that you come to the place where you begin to believe that you have no options. This is how you know you're living in fear. 
what else could I do? If you find yourself asking that question, what am I going to do? I mean, that's, this, is all, this is all I got. What am I going to You know you're living in fear when you feel that you have no options. And this is how the lepers felt. What are we going to do? We can't go in the city. We can't go to the enemy's. What are we going to do? We just got to sit here. All, if you think, all I can do is just sit here until I die, just sit here and wait for God. That's all I can do. If God wants to do something, he, he's gonna, you're living in fear. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And the sign of the liberty of the Spirit is that you recognize that you have options. You have choices. You are not stuck with what you have. If you're looking at your situation and you feel like, I have no choice, you're living in fear. And it, you would have, we would have looked at the lepers and said, yeah, you know, they're justified in thinking they have no options. They actually have no options. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the one leper who moved beyond fear said, hold on, hold on. Let's think about this differently. Wow. If we go into the city, the famine is there and we die. Yeah. If we stay here, we also die. Yeah. Those aren't good options, but those are options. We thought we only had one option. We just recognized there's two options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both end in death, but they're options. Yeah. But then there's a third option. Yeah. We could go into the enemy's camp. There's at least a chance that they may let us live. Yeah. Or they may kill us. And then we'll only die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what's the worst that could happen? We only die when death becomes, so what? I mean, I'm going to die anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's the worst that happens? If we go to the enemies. But here's the thing. They took the risk that was the most dangerous. Wow. The most dangerous option was the option they chose. Why? Because it was the only option in which there was a chance yeah. of life. The only option in which there was even a chance of survival just happened to me, happened to be the most dangerous option. And that's typically the way God works. The option is never the easiest option. It's always the most dangerous because that's the definition of a risk. A risk, the very definition of a risk a risk is something that you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Now you're a risk taker. Yeah. You haven't become a risk taker until you step out in faith to do something that you're not supposed to be able to do. Yeah. We can't, we're not supposed to go into the city. We're lepers. Lepers aren't allowed in the city. If we walk into the city, we're going to get a bunch of stank faced stares and people are going to be mad at us and people are going to be hate us. People are going to hate us. But when you've lost all fear, when you have nothing to lose, it's like, so what if people don't like me? Yeah. That's, that's it. People are not going to like. So you're telling me I should stay away from my destiny because people aren't going to like me when I get there? Wow. I could care less if people yeah. like. When you get to the point where I could care less if people like me or not. We're not but we're not supposed to go there. Fear of what you're not supposed to do is keeping you out of your destiny. And then the second option, going to the enemy's camp. We're not supposed to go yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. The options were things that they were not supposed to do. Yeah, wow. When you move past the fear of what you're not supposed to do, mm -hmm. 
fear of retaliation from people. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you can begin to see clearly what it is that God would have you to do. Yeah. I can't tell you how many conversations I have had in which I had to say things that I was not supposed to say, but I had to move beyond the fear. Yeah. I had to go places that I was not supposed to go, but I had to move beyond the yeah, fear. Yeah. Destiny is always, always, always in the hands of the risk takers. Now watch this. These four lepers, they say, you know what? I think you're right, leper number one. <laughs> Sitting here is the worst option. Going into the city is not a good option. Yeah. There's not even a chance of life there or here. Our yeah. only option is to do the ridiculous. Yeah. To go into the enemy's camp. The That's, That's yeah. the only option yeah. because it's the only one in which there's even a chance wow. of life. And all four of them agree. They say, okay, let's go. And in order to set out on that journey and to take that step, they had to look in one another's faces and say, this could be the end for us, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we're ready to die. Yes. We're ready to die. Yes. Pursuing your destiny in God requires the readiness for death. Wow. I'm ready. When God calls you to give financially, taking that step, I'm, I just got to be ready to be broke. Yeah. If God calls me to move to a new place to start a ministry, I got to be ready to starve when I get there. I've got to be ready for death. In order, if listen, if you're not ready to lose it all, you're not ready for your destiny. So many of us, we give God all of these requirements. God, I will set out and I will do what you called me to do, but here's the following things I need. I need you to guarantee my salary of this much. I need you to guarantee my health care. I need you to guarantee my benefits. I need guaranteed this. And when you set those things in place, then I'll know it's your will. And God says, you're right. Stay in the boat. Stay nice and dry. I'll walk out here on the water by myself. You like walking by sight. I'm inviting you to walk by faith, but that's okay. You stay there in the sight realm and just sit there till you die. Wow, wow. <laughs> they looked one another in the eye and they said, all right, we're probably about to die. Yeah. I can't see the Syrians having mercy on four lepers coming into their camp, spreading disease around. Yeah. I mean, there's an outside chance. It's probably 90% we're about to die right now. Yeah. No, no, no. 99% we're about to die right now. No, yeah. more like 99.9% .9 we're about to die right now. But there's that 0.1% that maybe God could do something for us. Yeah. And I can't see it. Who knows what he would do? I mean, what's he going to do? Speak to them and go, don't kill them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe somebody had a dream that four lepers came and God said, feed them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you're taking a step of faith when you cannot see any possible way. Wow. Yeah. But you simply discern that God is calling you to move in that direction yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah. They put on their best leper clothes. Yeah. Make sure I'm presentable for my death. And they stepped out from the in-between place. Wow, so good. And their step out from the in-between place was not in the direction of the comfortable place. Wow. See, all of us want to move out of that in-between place, but we want to move toward the comfortable place. Yeah. If your in-between place is singleness, 
I want to get married. If you're in between places, brokenness, I need me some money. Yeah. Wherever your in between place is, we, we long to move out of it. Mm. But we want to move in the direction of comfort. And I'm not saying that it's not God's will for you to get married or get any money. But I'm saying sometimes the first step is in the opposite direction. Because at the end of this story, these four lepers had everything they longed to have. They just didn't have it in the city. They had it in the enemy's camp. Because these four lepers, in moving away from the comfortable place, found themselves in a far more comfortable place. But they had to take a step of faith to get there. They walked towards the enemy camp. Here we go. We're going to the enemy's camp. Remember that song? <laughs> right? Yeah. And on the way, they're thinking, any minute, yeah. any second, yeah. some soldiers are going to come out. Yeah. They're going to kill us on the spot. Any second, yeah. we're getting closer to the enemy's camp. Haven't come out yet, but any second, the guards probably fell asleep. But any second, one of them's going to wake up, and they're going to come kill us. And they come right up on the camp. Any second, any moment, that sense of impending doom, impending death, any second the hammer's going to fall. Yeah. And now they're all up on the camp. They're right up in the camp. Hello? Syrians? You can come kill us now. We surrender. Yeah. Sometimes walking in faith requires you to put your head right inside the mouth of the lion. Go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. To walk right up into the fiery furnace. Go ahead. To stand before Nebuchadnezzar and say, go ahead and kill us. Wow. We're ready. Go ahead. To stand before Pontius Pilate and say, you can't take my life. I lay yeah. it down of my own accord. Go ahead. Yes, yes. Go ahead. Man, they must really be sleeping soundly. Yeah. <laughs> so they peek inside a tent, expecting to see soldiers there all over the ground in the tent, sound asleep. Mm. But there's no soldiers there. Yeah. But there is some food. Yeah. All set up on a table. Yeah. Freshly cooked. Still even a little warm. Yeah. So like, well, why don't we just grab a bite to eat before we die? Mm -hmm. yeah. So they start eating. Yeah. Thinking any second. Wow. They're going to come, and they're going to surround us, and they're going to kill us. But they eat their full, and they're thinking, well, that was a nice last meal. Yeah. But they go look in another tent, and there's no soldiers. But they see gold and silver yeah. and changes of clothing. Yeah. And they're like, man, I haven't had a change of clothing in years. Yeah. So they take off their leprosy clothes, and they put on these nice robes. Yeah. And then they put ring, gold rings and watches and medallions, whatever, <laughs> you know, gold chains, yeah. they, you know. And pretty soon they go tent to tent to tent to tent and they realize the enemy is gone. Yeah. Watch this. When they actually took the step of faith, yeah. when they got there, what they realized yeah. was that God had already intervened. Yeah, yeah. Before they even took their step of faith, God had already intervened. Wow. 
Before they made the decision to step out in faith, God had already driven the enemy away. God had already thundered from heaven, caused them to hear a sound, and and caused them to believe that an enemy army was coming against them. They had already run for their lives. God had already answered. You see, what fear does is it keeps you out of the realm in which God has already answered your prayer. There's prayers that God has already answered, provision that God has already released, but what keeps you from receiving it is the fear. Fear is keeping you in this place where you never get to discover what God has already done on your behalf. There's answers to prayer that you never get to see as long as you're living between the wall. Never get to see as long as you're staying safe in the city and you will starve to death even though there's abundance outside the city simply because you're too cowardly to step outside and check. You don't get to live because you're too afraid of dying. Didn't Jesus say that? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he shall find it. What you're looking for will require the loss of your life. And until you're willing to lay down your life, until you're willing to lay it all down, say, fine, God, I'm going to do this and I'm ready. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm ready. I'm going to go where you've called me to go. I'm ready. I'm going to say what you've called me to say. I'm ready. And if it means that I'm going to die after saying it, if it means I'm going to die after giving it, I'm ready to die. You never get to live until you're ready to die. And there's nothing hell fears more than sons and daughters of the Most High God who have no fear of death. You see, we missed that part in that Revelation 12 passage. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and loved not their lives even unto death. That's why they were overcomers. That's why they're victorious. And God is calling you to that same overcomer victorious life, but it's going to require the relinquishing of your right to live. I remember when my wife was going to Sudan. She came to me one day. She said, I had a dream one night. Last night I had a dream. And she told me about this dream that she was in some place in Africa in the middle of a barren desert. And um, the, the Spirit of God dropped her in the middle of the desert. And there were people shooting guns and people running. And she was running. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, why are you running? And she said, yeah, that's right. And she stood up in the middle of the desert and started to preach. And when she started to preach, the people with the guns laid down their weapons and sat at her feet. And the people running came and sat at her feet. And she began to preach to them. And then all of a sudden, somebody stood up and began to translate. And then somebody else stood up and began to translate what that person said. And then the barren desert began to break, uh, bloom, I believe, right? The barren desert began to bloom around them. But anyway, whatever it was, it was this powerful vision of, of something that happened in Africa. They all started worshiping. Oh, they all started worshiping, right. And a couple months later, she receives this invitation to go to the Sudan. And this was in the time, during the time in the Sudan where they were cutting women up and rape, not only raping them, but mutilating them and cutting off their body parts and stuff. Yeah. It was just horrible stuff. And she comes to me and says, I was invited to go minister in the Sudan. And I'm like, mm-mm, you ain't, no, 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 no. And she laughed and said, wait a minute, are you serious? I said, I'm serious as a heart attack. I'm not sending my wife over there to get cut up and raped and killed and mutilated. Mm-mm, no, no, no. And she said, but I really think the Lord is calling me to go. And I was like, well, the Lord hasn't spoken that to me. See, my wife and I, we have veto power over one another's schedule. So any, any invitation we get, either of us has the right to veto the other. So if she tells me you're not going, I'm not going. If I tell her you're not going, she's not going. Yeah. We believe the Lord has to speak to both of us and give us confirmation on that. So 
couple, she says, well, will you pray about it? I said, sure, I'll pray about it. Lord, the Lord said, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, I was like that's, in other words, no, I'm not about to pray about this. And uh, she came to me a couple days later. She said, remember that dream I told you about a couple months ago? I said, yeah. She said, well, the Lord put it on my heart that that was the Sudan. And when she said that, it was like driving a dagger deep into my soul. And I, I was like, ooh, ooh. And so I went home and I got on my knees. I said, Lord, you've got to promise me. If you want her to go, you've got to promise me that you will watch over her, that you will protect her, that you will keep her from all hurt, harm, or danger. And you know what the Lord said to me? I will make no such promise. She is my child. She is my servant. I determine when she lives and I determine when she dies. And if it is my purpose and plan for her to shed her blood in the Sudan, that's between me and her. You're going to trust me. Oh, man. I was, I was like, oh, God, oh, come on. How, how comforting is that, right? You know? So I, felt, I just felt compelled. I've got to release you to go. But the whole time she was there, I was having anxiety attacks and you know, I was sweating bullets. There was a day where I was overwhelmed by so much anxiety, I almost fainted. I almost passed out. And I was just scared to death. But of course, she came home unmaimed, unmutilated, and unkilled. But instead, there were hundreds, maybe even thousands of souls that came into the kingdom of God because she was willing to step out in faith and move with God right. and lay down her life. Yeah. I think the thing that scared me is she's always been just a little too excited about dying on, <laughs> on the mission field. <laughs> it's like, is there a chance I'll be killed? Then I ain't going. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, if, if the answer is no, there's no chance of dying here. Oh, then what's, it's not worth my time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, why would I go there? I can't even die. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> the right risk. I'm not just talking about taking foolish risks and thinking that's the kingdom. It's not any risk. It's the right risk. It's the kingdom risk. Yeah. And the discernment to know the difference is a mark of maturity. Wow. But I'm, I'm talking to the hearts of some of us who aren't willing to take any risk. Wow. And we call that wisdom. Wow. You got to use wisdom. Yeah. You got to use wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> and we have mystified the wisdom of God as the avoidance of all risk. And we pre-conceive in our hearts wow. the notion that God will never call me to something hmm. that doesn't make perfect sense according to the natural order of things. Hmm. He'll never call me to give an offering that's beyond my budget. <laughs> He'll never call me to move to a place where he hasn't already lined up all of the details. <laughs> He'll never call me to start something that I don't have all of the answers to. He'll never call me to move into a direction in which I have no clarity. That's a lie of the enemy that's designed to keep you out of your destiny. Right. Destiny belongs to the risk takers. And we are at a season, and, and this is the crazy thing. Those four lepers, their destiny was not just for them. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is how the story ended. They looked at one another and said, 
This ain't right. We're out here eating and drinking, and they were taking clothes and hiding it between the wall and taking jewelry and hiding it between the wall and taking food and hiding it between the wall. And then they said, this ain't right. This ain't right. We're out here grubbing, and the whole city is starving. God has worked this victory for Israel, but nobody knows. I tell you what, if we wait till tomorrow morning before we tell the city, God's judgment's going to come on us. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they ran and they woke up the gate guard at the city. Call the king, call the commander, call the administrators, call the government, call the government, call the president, call the police. Tell them God has done it. He's worked a miracle for Israel. It's done. We've been there. Look, see this chicken bone? I mean, see this turkey neck? See this leg? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's done. And, and guess what the, the believing people in the city did? The believing people who were comfortable starving to death in their homes. It's a trap. It's a trap. I don't think it's real. Everything seems like a trap when you're living in fear. It's too, too good to be true. It feels to be too good to be true because you're not the one who took the risk. It didn't feel too good to be true to the four lepers who took the risk. When they stepped out of the city, they stepped out ready to die. But when you tell comfortable Christians that it's time for them to step out of their city too? It's too wow. good to be true. Wow. And they had to send out scouts. And when they sent out scouts, they found the Arameans fleeing, mm. even leaving their garments on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they came back and reported, it's true. Wow. And because these four lepers wow. isolated, mm. misfortunate, People you would never, ever envy. People you would look at in pity. Wow. Poor lepers. Yeah, yeah. Those poor lepers wow. released the entire city wow. into a place of victory Amen. and provision wow. and abundance mm -hmm. and blessing. Why? Because wow. they were ready to take a risk. Wow. Yeah. When your heart comes to the place where you're ready to move with God, and take a great risk, yeah. it opens the doors to the city. Wow. And a whole multitude of people finds blessing, fulfillment, oh, yeah. and victory. And that's your destiny. Every time God invites you and me to take a risk, wow. he's inviting us to be the breakers who go ahead, who go before, wow, yes. who open the gates of the city, your destiny hmm. is to open the gates of cities wow. and release a flood of provision and blessing and victory. Hmm. But you got to be willing to take a risk. Let's pray. Hmm. Precious Heavenly Father, I pray today in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would release faith into every soul. that you would remove fear so that we might be clear. Lord, some of us, our hearts have been clouded by fear. Our hearts and minds clouded by fear. Wow. Paralyzed. Wow. Some of us know that you've spoken to us, know the direction that you've moved us in, but we're so afraid. 
We've been struck by fear. But Lord, you have not given us a spirit of bondage to fear, but of love and of power and of soundness of mind. And when we come to the other side of our fear, we find power, we find love, and we find clarity, soundness of mind. And I say to you today by the word of the Lord that you can be clear if you move behind fear. And if you've been battling fear in your heart, fear of taking a step that you know God is calling you to take, regardless of what that step is, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And I want to invite you to pray it out loud. Say, Father, Father, I want you to shout. I want you to speak it loud. Don't whisper it. I want you to declare this. Say, Father, Father, I come to you. And I ask you, you, in the name of your son Jesus, Jesus, to deliver me of my fear. fear. In Jesus' name, name, fear you must go. You do not come from God. God. You've hindered me for for too long. long. You stand in the way of my destiny. But Jesus has defeated you. And I am victorious over you. You must go. In Jesus' name. You must go. In Jesus' name. You must go. In Jesus' name. And Father, I receive faith. The faith of your son Jesus. The boldness that comes through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me with boldness now and give me clarity of mind. Give me power and fill me with your love. I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, I pray for each and every one of those who prayed this prayer with me today whose hearts are reaching towards you in faith. Father, break the power of fear right now. Break the power of fear that holds your people back from moving towards their destiny. Break that power of fear, fear of lack. Break that power of fear, fear of of judgment, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of of, uh, that uh, imposter syndrome that holds your people back, that ties your people down, that stands as a guard against the destiny of your people. Lord, defeat that strong man and bind him up right now in the name of Jesus. God, I I speak over each one of your sons and daughters. You have not given us a spirit of bondage again to fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. And so I speak over every heart and I say, spirit of fear, go in Jesus' name. You must go in spirit of power and love and soundness of mind. Come right now. Fill every heart, God. Fill us over flowing with the spirit of power and love and soundness of mind. In Jesus' name, Father, I thank you that you have a powerful destiny for every individual believer and also for your house and for the body of Christ. Father, release us even as individuals to begin to take steps toward that destiny of faith without fear, knowing that you will meet us on the way. I give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.